You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Corbett Report podcast. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you, as always, from the sunny climes of Western Japan here on the 25th day of February, 2022. And you are tuned into episode 413 of the Corbett Report podcast, Give, Send, Gone. Hey, do you remember episode 394 of this podcast on solutions, survival currency? I bet you don't, because that episode was greeted with a collective shrug at the time, and I received remarkably little feedback about it, although it was really actually the episode that kicked off the Year of Solutions in 2021 and preceded the the beginning of the Solutions Watch podcast and was the beginning of my solutions, my exclusively solutions focus uh, over the past year. Um, although I've always talked about solutions, but making it the focus. So kicking it off with solutions, survival currency, talking about the incredible dire need that we have not just to form communities, but to form mechanisms of exchange within those communities. But as I say, that podcast was greeted with a collective shrug and most people probably never saw it, which is unfortunate because you might remember, if you did see it, that I opened that presentation with a little funny joke letter, just something that I made up in 2016. But first, I wanted to start today with a letter that I just uncovered that I think will be very interesting to you. So I'm going to read this letter to you. It's from New United Nations HQ, Consumer Enforcement Division. It's to Winston Smith, and it is dated the 17th of February, 2025. The subject of this letter is Revocation of Commercial Interaction License, and it reads, Dear Consumer, Our Biometric Detection Division has confirmed that you participated in the protests at last month's coronation of Hillary Clinton as Supreme Leader of the United States for Life. Your case was reviewed by our enforcement personnel, and you were found guilty of unlawful dissent. As a result, all of your financial accounts have been closed, your carbon credit allowance has been frozen, and your consumer participation chip has been deactivated. You have been downgraded from consumer to laborer. As such, you may proceed to the nearest Federal Emergency Management Agency labor camp to receive your work assignment. You will be provided a space in the dormitory and three meal credits per day. All hail the new United Nations. Praise be to Secretary General Rothschild. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Oh, what a kidder, James. Oh, you and your crazy sci-fi fiction. Ha, <laughs> what a ridiculous story, you might have thought at the time, even though I did go on to point out in that presentation that that letter, obviously from United Nations headquarters, was obviously not real. It was a parody, but it was a parody of a very real letter that was being sent around to various banking customers in the United States as part of something called Operation choke point, which unfortunately a lot of people probably don't know about, even though I've talked about it several times. I will once again exhort you to watch episode 394, Solutions Survival Currency, for the bigger context of that. But even so, you might have thought that I was joking or exaggerating or going over the top. Oh, as if they would freeze your bank accounts for participating in protests against the government. The government is issuing an order with immediate effect under the Emergencies Act authorizing Canadian financial institutions to temporarily cease providing financial services where the institution suspects that an account is being used to further the illegal blockades and occupations. This order covers both personal and corporate accounts. Third, We are directing Canadian financial institutions to review their relationships with anyone involved in the illegal blockades and report to the RCMP or CSIS. As of today, a bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend an account without a court order. In doing so, they will be protected against civil liability for actions taken 
in good faith. Federal government institutions will have a new broad authority to share relevant information with banks and other financial service providers to ensure that we can all work together to put a stop to the funding of these illegal blockades. This is about following the money. This is about stopping the financing of these illegal blockades. We are today serving notice. If your truck is being used in these illegal blockades, your corporate accounts will be frozen. The insurance on your vehicle will be suspended. Look, you've just compared people who may have donated to this to the, the same people who are funding maybe a terrorist. I just want to be clear here, sir. This is really important. A lot of folks says, look, I just don't like your vaccine mandates and I donated to this. Now it's illegal. Should I be worried that the bank can freeze my account? What's your answer to that? Well, it's, I think if you if you are a member uh, of, you know, a, a pro-Trump movement who's donating hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars to this kind of thing, then you ought to be worried. I truly, sincerely, fervently hope that people understand the gravity of what has just taken place in Canada. I would say other than 9-11 and the scamdemic itself, this is probably the most significant single event on the path to the creation of the new feudal global order that we have seen in the 21st century. It cannot be overstated how important the precedent that was just set in Canada really is for the world we are goose-stepping into. So, let's articulate that for people who have a hard time understanding it. Protest and wrongthink is now not just outlawed, it is financially prohibited. Canada has just laid out the most draconian decree of our lifetime, and not one of the bastions of freedom and democracy who are out there standing up for the little men in Ukraine or Syria or Libya or wherever the State Department wants to bomb next has said anything about this. No one, no one in positions of power, political power at any rate, has said this, other than some opposition members of certain governments have said, maybe Canada's going a little too far, but no world leader has come out to condemn this, because this is the agenda for the Great Reset, Build Back Better, technocratic world order. This is an incredibly important linchpin of this. No matter where you are listening to me right now, I want you to understand there can no longer be any shred of doubt about this. Your government has now just officially, either explicitly or tacitly by consent, admitted and that there is a declared war on you. You, not the enemy out there, on you. And you will be cut off from the financial system itself if you protest or resist. I don't know how to put this any more starkly. For anyone of any political persuasion, whatever you believe or disbelieve, whatever side of the political aisle you happen to stand on or what your position is on any issue, if this is not the nightmare fuel of totalitarianism right at your doorstep, if you do not recognize it as such, there's no hope left for you. This is it. This is the line in the sand. So, yes, I, I had that made-up letter from 2016 that uh, was obviously fictional, but obviously warning about this exact moment in time. And as I say, actually attempting to inform people at that time when I wrote that fake letter back in 2016 about the very real letters that were already being sent out by the United States Department of Justice to legal business owners in the United States because they were in 
naughty, no-no, taboo businesses like gun dealers or coin dealers or payday lending businesses were literally being cut off from their bank accounts at that time in the 2013, 2014, in that range. It was already happening. So the precedent has been set and they've shown you what they want for the future. The ability to literally turn off your bank accounts, turn off your funds at any time they wish so under any declared state of emergency. And it only gets worse from here when we start looking into the long-term future of currency and what they want to uh, place in your bank accounts, central bank digital currencies. It only gets worse. So yes, if you need a refresher or if you didn't catch the episode 411 on states of emergency, I would highly suggest you check that out. But yes, as I record this, I suppose it's true. Apparently, Trudeau has now revoked the Emergency Powers Act. Not not to say that the Emergency Powers Act itself has been revoked. It's just that this particular application at this particular point in time has been revoked. The national emergency that national emergency that was taking place in Canada because of honking horns and bouncy castles in Ottawa is now over. So, shh, shh, calm down. Go back to sleep, everyone. It's okay. The government has it all under control. But if you ever protest us again, we will cut off your bank accounts, freeze your funds, do anything that we declare necessary in the name of protecting our world order. Unbelievable. Yes, the Emergency Powers Act, or at least this particular invocation of it, may be over, but this is not over. This is just the beginning, just one of the warning shots. Perhaps, hopefully, the shot heard around the world in the real World War III that is ongoing right now, that I have stressed time and time again, is the war on you. It is happening. Your government has declared any and all dissenters as enemy combatants in this war that is now taking place. Please understand the hour of the time. This could not be more serious. So in order to understand where do we go from here, we have to understand how did we get here. So let's just look at this particular instance of what has just happened in Canada and how that unfolded in the newswires, because I think it's instructive for the purpose of determining where we go from here. Let's start with this doozy of an article from CBC News that was posted on January 28th of this year, just as things were developing with the Freedom Convoy and, hey, millions of dollars are starting to be donated via GoFundMe to this Freedom Convoy, but Who's doing the donations? And this CBC article, large number of donations to support Convoy came from aliases unnamed donors, is an absolute doozy of an article. There are a number of things to note here, so let's get into it. It says uh, the subhead is many donors used satirical aliases, including Justin Trudeau and Teresa Tam. So it starts by noting that at least a third of the donations to the GoFundMe campaign set up to support the convoy of trucks headed to Ottawa to protest vaccine mandates came from anonymous sources or were attributed to fake names, according to an analysis by CBC News. While thousands of Canadians and Canadian businesses have dipped into their pockets to fund the cause, thousands of other donors to the campaign are listed simply as anonymous. Ah, oh no, people trying to donate anonymously. I wonder why. Well, we'll get into that in a moment. But first, it goes on to say, uh, while the campaign is fundraising for a Canadian political protest, some donations appear to have come from outside of Canada, based on comments left by donors on GoFundMe. <laughs> Some donations were made using the names of other people. Among the most common donor names listed on GoFund the GoFundMe site are Justin Trudeau, Sophie, Sophie Trudeau, and Teresa Tam, the name of Canada's chief public health officer. <laughs> other, other listed donors identified themselves as Fidel Castro, Justin Trudeau's dad, <laughs> Justin Trudeau's conscience, Dump Trudeau, or, or used a number of other phrases laden with obscenities. <laughs> <laughs> 
Then it goes into the story of David Fisman, who's apparently a professor in epidemiology at Toronto's Dalalana School of Public Health. And he said um, someone had made a donation in his name that was not from him. And he says, given that whoever did this also wrote, follow me on Twitter in the comments, and I have a fairly well-known by Canadian standards verified Twitter account with 110,000 followers that seems to be much detested and disparaged by opponents of vaccines and public health measures, I think it's reasonable to assume that this was intended to be seen as a donation that I had made. All right, so you see the problem. Well, let's get into the reaction. GoFundMe, which gets a percentage of all the money donated, delayed disbursement of the funds earlier this week, saying it wanted to know more about how the money was going to be used. It announced Thursday that it would begin releasing money after the organizers of the fundraising campaign provided a distribution plan for the funds. Oh, it all seems very reasonable and bureaucratic so far. It's just a company and making sure that its users are abiding by its terms of service. I mean, it's, it's acting as a funds uh, transfer vehicle as a highly regulated business. So I'm sure they're just playing by the rules, everyone. Um, it goes on in this article to point out money from abroad. A number of donors identified themselves in comments as living abroad in countries such as the United States, Australia, England, or Poland. <laughs> it is not possible to know how many people from outside Canada donated to the fundraising page. Uh-oh, the plebs are starting to unite. And we have them caged in their little national boxes here. You live in the territory of Canada, presided over by the Queen, we'll give you this Governor General and this Parliament to, you know, I mean, you have your own constitution now, I suppose. Uh, you can go play for yourselves, but you live in this cage, and you do not consort with anyone on the other side of that fence that we've erected. You do not try to form lines of uh, like agreements with like-minded people across those lines. You are in this pen, cattle. Anyway, of course, oh my god, it seems like maybe Americans and other people care about human freedom and are attempting to support a campaign and convoy that's energizing people around the world in the name of freedom. How dare they? And then, get this, the article goes on to talk about conspiracy theorists. And here is the money quote. You have a lot of conspiracy theorists who think that if they float their name out there on a GoFundMe campaign, that they will be added to a government watch list. <laughs> oh, 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 look, look at all these silly conspiracy theorists. Oh, where would they get an idea like that? Dot, dot, dot. You also have a lot of people who just aren't comfortable putting their name out there on the internet for some reason or other. <laughs> who can imagine why? Adding that some donors f further hide their identity by using burner ATM cards to donate. Oh, you better believe you know what's coming next in this narrative. Burner ATM cards and other such things. Gift cards and whatever else. Anything you can do to try to get around the blockades, the financial blockades they're erecting, will be taken away from you. Uh, anyway, it goes on from there. But there you see the problem being framed in the good old reliable CBC there in late January of 2022. So, of course, as things continued to develop, and as we were reporting, for example, on New World Next Week, on February 3rd, GoFundMe released a statement on the Freedom Convoy 2022 fundraiser. GoFundMe is an open platform with a clear mission to help people eat, help each other. We take our responsibility to organizers and donors very seriously, and are proud of the hundreds of thousands of ways our community has made a positive difference in the world around us. We are deeply committed to operating with integrity, honesty, and full accountability. As such, we are guided by terms of service and applicable laws and regulations. And then they go through and talk about the different ways they verify the trust, the trust and safety in the campaigns, and etc. And they say as an activity evolves, uh, as an activity surrounding the protest evolves, uh, we have been monitoring the fundraiser to ensure the funds are going to the intended recipients and that the fundraiser remains within our terms of service. Our monitoring includes maintaining close contact with the organizer as well as collaborating with local law enforcement. You better believe it. This process takes time and may slow down the withdrawal process. As part of our information gathering process, we also requested more information from the organizer regarding the use of funds to ensure the fundraiser is still compliant with our terms of service. When we do not receive required information, we may put a pause on donations as we did in this case. So GoFundMe pauses the 
the uh, fundraiser and delays distribution of the funds while we work on getting some more some more information about how this money is being used and what's what's it going for what's your plan here well of course as the the media hype continued to rise from places like CBC and others putting um, uh, being establishment mouthpieces and putting the pressure the political pressure ultimately on GoFundMe surprise surprise February 4th, 2022, GoFundMe supports peaceful protests, and we believe that was the intention of the Freedom Convoy 2022 fundraiser when it was first created. Created. We now have evidence from law enforcement that the previously peaceful demonstration has become an occupation with police reports of violence and other unlawful activity. Kids in bouncy castles singing, Oh Canada, no, someone save us. To ensure GoFundMe remains a trusted platform, we work with local authorities, blah, blah, blah. Following review of relevant facts and multiple discussions with local law enforcement and city officials, this fundraiser is now in violation of our terms of service. Disperse, ladies and gentlemen, disperse. Any further protest will be considered unlawful. Sound weapons will be used. Uh, term 8, which prohibits the promotion of violence and harassment. Oh yeah, that's what this was about. Promotion of violence and harassment, I tell you. Whatever they say, whatever they say, it's just, yeah, obviously, it's just their cover. And has been removed from the platform. Here's the rub. Here's the incredibly interesting part of this statement when it was first released. We will work with organizers to send all remaining funds to credible and established charities chosen by the Freedom Convoy 2022 organizers and verified by GoFundMe. Do do you read that? So we're going to take these funds and if and when we're not able to refund them or there isn't a refund request made, we're just going to steal those funds and we're going to give them to some charity. Don't worry, it'll be some cause that I'm sure you'll agree with, right? When this was pointed out and people started to get very upset about that prospect, uh, there was this weird upstart not GoFundMe, but uh, a GoFundMe-like platform that few people had heard of at the time called Give, Send, Go that butted in to the conversation. Just in case you missed it, did you know if you dispute the donation to GoFundMe with your bank slash credit card, they will be charged a $15 dispute fee. They want you to click the refund link because then there will be no fees. What they don't want is 120,000 donors... 15, getting $15 fees. Just saying. Interesting. And wouldn't you know it, shortly after that was pointed out, update, (laughs) GoFundMe to refund all Freedom Convoy 2022 donations. The update we issued earlier below enabled all donors to get a refund and outlined a plan to distribute remaining funds to verified charities selected by the Freedom Convoy organizers. However, Due to donor feedback, (laughs) we are simplifying the process. We'll automatically refund all contributions directly. Donors do not need to submit a request. (laughs) Oh, how nice. Oh, simplifying the process. GoFundMe always has your best interests in mind, right, guys? Anyway, who gives send go? Who is this? Oh, that's right. This is a the number one free Christian crowdfunding site that no one had. Well, I hadn't heard of, and I'm sure very few people had heard of before this point, but they came in to say, hey, we'll step in, we'll do it, and raised nine plus million dollars on the gold is on the way towards 16 million dollars in fundraising on their site. But as I'm sure you've heard by now, there was a little hiccup along the way. Of course, once they stepped in, the pressure started to rise, and wouldn't you know it, bing, bang, boom, give, send, go, hacked. Donor list to 8.6 million at that time, dollar Freedom Convoy exposed. Pro-establishment hackers ranting about misinformation and the dangers of opposing government mandates hit crowdfunding platform GiveSendGo on Sunday, posting a manifesto which scrolled over a scene from the Disney movie Frozen, get it? (laughs) While also releasing a list of donors to the $8.6 million Freedom Convoy fundraiser. Uh, here's part of the video hackers have now posted on the Give, Send, Go website, and you can go watch this for yourself. Oh, yeah, great. Okay, so... Oh, isn't that beautiful? At this point, I wonder I wonder if they'll get a copyright claim for that. Because this is clearly Disney's intellectual property that they're violating here. I think Disney should sue. Who are you going to sue? Oh, I know. How about How about we sue the person who's behind this hack? What, you didn't know? Yeah, apparently the 
actual person who was behind the hack has confessed openly, at least according to the video that he posted. Yeah, it was... Uh, let me check my notes. Um, it was... Uh, this guy? <laughs> Nothing scares me. Nothing. Yes, I doxed the truckers. I did it. It was me. I hacked Gifts and Go, baby. And I do it again. I do it a hundred times. I did it. I did it. Come at me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to me? Hosting! I hacked Parlor! I hacked Gab! I hacked Truth Social! I hacked Go! Gifts and Go! I don't care! Oh yeah. Surprise, surprise. This stuff gets pretty weird pretty quick. Yeah, well, I'm not making that up. That's at least someone who online is claiming to have been the Gifts and Go hacker, and you can explore much more down that rabbit hole. Again, I will exhort you to go to corporatereport.com slash gone for the show notes, where you can find links, for example, to this Twitter thread from Irish Girl on Twitter, who has a whole big thread up about this guy and some of the things he's been involved with and some of the interesting associations. The Gray Zone has done their own big deep dive into this was the hacking of ottawa trucker convoy donors a u.s canadian intelligence operation and this goes some way to establishing not only what happened here in the specific case but also the broader question of relations between intelligence agencies and law enforcement and anonymous hackers uh, the documented history that goes on there so definitely more to explore along those lines hey wait i thought all hackers were russian and they all did it for the greater glory of Mother Russia, right? Hmm, something, something strange there, right? Um, it does raise the question, is there any sort of legal ramifications to this? We have someone who's at least claiming to have illegally hacked into this website and then illegally distributed the financial information and personal details of however many thousands of people. That, that seems like it would be worthy of some sort of criminal investigation, especially when cybersecurity and hacking is the big... Boogeyman, we're all supposed to be afraid of, right? Well, we, the closest thing I've seen, and maybe there's more, if anyone has any more leads on this, please let me know, but the closest thing I've seen to anything involving law enforcement even caring about this is Indiana Attorney General seeks victims of the Freedom Convoy Donations Hack, which notes that our data privacy team sprang into action and identified Hoosier victims. We are emailing them to put them on notice and advise them on steps they should take at this juncture to protect themselves, and we're standing ready to assist them further however we can. I don't know, how about how about going after the guy who says that he's the hacker? I don't know. Should there be some criminal investigation? Anyway, it just gives you an idea of there's something up here, isn't there? So there's more along these lines. Of course, what was the ultimate payoff of this? Oh, well, the Distributed Denial of Secrets organization got to ex take this information and spread it out to all their journalist friends, like their friends at The Intercept, the very accurately named Intercept, which intercepted the information from the Snowden leaks and then dribbled a few of them out before locking those vaults up forever. Just as Glenn Greenwald promised, print pinky square, guys, that's not going to happen. Well, it did. <laughs> Yay. Uh, Omidyar taking over the Snowden leaks? I never thought that would have gone wrong. Who could have imagined that? Anyway, whatever. Uh, Oath Keepers, anti-democracy activists, and others on the far right are funding Canada's freedom convoy, says The Intercept. And boy, do they love it. The Intercept obtained the hacked donor data of Gifts and Go including roughly 104,000 donors who contributed 9.6 million, blah, blah, blah. So they go through it and they start talking and doxing people and they're just pigs in a playpen right now, in a mud pit right now, just delighting themselves, defecating all over themselves in delight. Uh, just like CBC News, Washington Post, other MSM outlets are uh, also harassing donors, doxing people, individuals. People who have don donated as little as $40. Here's someone who uh, had an email provided to them by someone who donated $40. And they're getting 
contacted by the Washington Post. Is this you? We see this matches your records. Can we just verify your identity? And if so, what motivated you to contribute to this campaign? Don't worry, we're going to report all this fairly and honestly. Because democracy dies in darkness, right, Jeff Bezos? Crazy. Um, The CBC doing the same thing, taking the illegally hacked database and then not just reporting on it. Yeah, of course. Whatever. Journalists will get information sent to them. They're not part of the illegal activity or whatever. They, They see a valid reason for reporting on it. It gets reported on. But harassing individual donors, doxing and harassing individual people doesn't seem like a good idea in the public interest, does it? And uh, it's not just the CBC or Washington Post or big national outlets. Uh, Not just CBC. Got this email yesterday from the managing editor of our local paper, the Cornwall Standard Freeholder. So creepy. I did not reply. And again, it's just this letter that's, hey, we can't verify this is you. Can you. Can you confirm that for us? And if you wish to comment on the record, please do so. Again, we'll report just fairly and unbiased. So, yeah, the media is just having a play field day with this. They love it. Yeah, we get to har- harass and dock some more people on the bad team. And, uh, you know, this isn't just this isn't just random. This isn't theoretical. Real people are losing their jobs right now because, well, someone donated $100 to what was, at the time, at any rate, right, at least theoretically, was not an illegal protest. It wasn't ordered illegal at that point. People were just donating. Uh, Wait, wasn't the CBC just telling us these damn conspiracy theorists think you're going to be put on some sort of government watch list for donating? Oh, these crazies. What planet are they on? Literally one week later, I guarantee you that same expert source from the trusted CBC is uh, just, uh, yeah, of course, this is great. This is wonderful. This is the way democracy should work (laughs) or whatever, whatever nonsense they're going to spout. This is it. Anyway, an Ontario government staffer out of a job after $100 donation to Ottawa blockade. Others under scrutiny. The director of communications in the Ontario ministry responsible for enforcing the law is out of a job after she was tied to a $100 donation supporting the convoy blockading Ottawa streets. So literally, yeah, you support protesters? You uh, The wrong kind of protesters, mind you. Of course, because there are the right kind of protesters, as we saw a lot of in 2020 when the right kind of protests were taking place. But this kind of protest, oh, you're protesting the mandates? No, no, no. Criminal. And everyone who so much as gives you a penny is thereby aiding your illegal activities. Domestic extremism. Homeland security. Hmm. Almost like all of these pieces are connecting exactly as those crazy conspiracy theorists told you they were going to connect. Anyway, here's one example of one story of how one person was affected by this. But of course, the bigger story in general, let's not lose sight, is not just the people who donated, but everyone who's had their accounts frozen. And at least at the time I'm recording it, as my understanding, some of the accounts remain frozen of various people who had whatever relation the government says they had to these protests, banks have started to freeze accounts linked to the protests, Freeland says. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland, WEF World Economic Forum Board of Trustees member Christia Freeland, said Thursday financial institutions have moved quickly to freeze the accounts of people linked to the demonstrations in Ottawa, leaving an unknown number of protesters in financial limbo. The law also gives uh, allows banks to target for account closure donors to the GoFundMe and the Give, Send, Go uh, fundraising campaigns that fueled this protest. Freeland said she wouldn't get into the specifics of whose accounts are being fro- frozen. Citing terrorist financing laws, the government has forced crowdfunding websites and payment providers to register with the Financial Transactions and Reports Analysis Center of Canada, FinTrack, the government's financial intelligence unit. Uh, unit. The consequences are real and they will bite, she said. Banks have been told they can't provide any financial or related services to people associated with the protests, a move that will result in frozen accounts, stranded money, and cancelled credit cards. This is it. This is happening. What else do I need to say? This is happening. You are being declared an enemy of the state for protesting. This is it. 
I don't know what else you're waiting for. This is what tyranny looks like. And we are just getting the thin edge of the wedge at this point. But boy, what an interesting message they are sending out. So yeah, we have people in even in government losing their jobs for having donated $100. And you better believe those thought criminals who took up, for example, look, Corporate Report Solutions Watch talking about making your own newspaper. Well, as people in Canada know, Druthers has done that for the past 15 months. And you better believe they weren't going to get away with trying to provide aid or funding to this deadly, terroristic freedom convoy. This is Dan Dix here reporting for Press for Truth. I'm currently here in our nation's capital, Ottawa, Ontario, for perhaps one of the most important protests in the history of this nation. And I'm joined right now by uh, Sean Jason. He's the editor-in-chief of Druthers News. Uh, first of all, uh, Sean, thanks so much for taking some time to speak with us here. I've heard you've recently had your bank account frozen under this Emergencies Act. Now, I want to talk about, you know, how they first revealed this to you. But before we get into that, maybe you could start with, you know, why did they, why, why did they target you in the first place? There's around over 200 people as of today who have been targeted. Why do you think they went after Druthers? Wow. Well, first, I want to say I love you, Dan. Thanks for doing what you do. Um, I've known you a long time, and I really appreciate the things you bring to light. Um, as for your question, why me? I was raising money to help the truckers, basically, and that's the sum of it. Uh, we did a, a fundraiser. In three days, we raised $150,000 to support the truckers. And uh, yeah, I guess the powers that be don't, or the powers that ought not to be, don't really like that. I, I did see somewhere, I think it was on Facebook, that you had planned on doing, I think, a, a number of draft checks for, I think, $2,500, maybe 40 or so of them. And what was the plan there? To hand them out to the truckers? Yeah, the plan, well, they, initially the plan was, this fundraiser was to hire truckers, to give them a contract, um, to hire them to deliver a Druthers to, Trudeau, to Trudeau's office, um, with the sense that that would give them the legal, lawful, peaceful way to say, no, I'm not leaving. Um, so we fundraised, and it went crazy. In three days, $150,000, that was going to hire, because we were not paying them a lot. It was just for the monetary exchange. Um, so we ended up being able to hire 7,500 truckers. And so I put a cap on it, saying, oh my goodness, I don't even know if there's that many truckers. We get down here and discover there's only uh, four or 500 in the core. Um, so that left surplus money. So we decided with the surplus money to, um, yeah, give it directly to the truckers who were most in need. Because some of them, we heard, were in dire straits, and they were about to leave if they weren't able to cover their bills. So went to the bank um, Monday, uh, last, this past Monday, and uh, asked for 40 $2,500 bank drafts, $100,000 we were going to give directly to truckers. And that's when they informed me my bank was frozen. Um, yeah. So at the point that you walked in there to try to get these drafts, they had already decided that you, had you publicly announced that you were raising money for the truckers? Yes, I had. And publicly announced we were going to give them money. And also, the day that I went to the bank was the same day that the emergency declaration was enacted. So that probably went hand in hand. Um, yeah. So I, they gave me a phone number to call. So I call this number. So I call the number, it goes right to machine. I tried a handful of times, right to machine. And uh, the machine says... Uh, leave your name and bank account number and someone will get back to you within three business days. It's like, that's not very helpful. So three business days go by and they call me and uh, ask me a bunch of weird questions. But who called me? I don't even think it was BMO that called me because uh, they told me it's our policy. It's the compliance department, first of all. And they said it's our policy to not reveal our names. We're just agents with BMO. Uh, it was one guy first and he says, and I'm going to patch in my colleague. And he did. That person never said a word, so I have no idea if it was male, female, anything. I don't know. But there was two unnamed agents for BMO. Mm, I doubt they were actually for BMO. Uh, they asked me a bunch of weird questions. Uh, I answered their questions as, you know, minimally as I felt appropriate. Because, come on, just give me the money. And they said, okay, well, we're going to get back to you within five business days. Insane. So then two days ago, they called me back again and, uh, to ask a few more questions and then said, okay, we're going to get back to you mid to next week. And that's actually when I kind of gave them a little heck because it's my only account. It's all my money. I mean, everything's in there. It's the money for the truckers, money for druthers, my personal money. It's all in one account. Um, anyway, so yeah, I gave them heck and they said, we'll try to expedite it, but it's not up to us. We got to go to the legal team. And now I'm just waiting for another call back at this point. So you can't currently access your own funds outside of the $100,000 you raised. You currently have no access to any funds if you need to get 
groceries or supplies or whatever, you can't access your own bank account right now? Nope, that's correct. Even the, the one credit card that I have, it's a BMO credit card. So that's also uh, frozen. I can't use that at all. Now, as I certainly hope that my listeners know, that, of course, was Dan Dix of PressForTruth.ca talking to Sean Jason of Druthers.net. I will, of course, put the link into the full video so you can watch their full conversation. But yes, this is happening. It is affecting real people. And on that note, I should mention that as I record this, the latest update is that Dan Dix is now attempting to recover in his hotel room from bruised, perhaps cracked ribs that he received as a result of traveling five days straight to get to the Ottawa protest just as the police were arriving to break them up and break up Dandick's ribs. He got ribbed, uh, uh, smacked in the ribs with a baton and is now attempting to recover. Uh, Seems to be bedridden at the moment. So, hey, all part of the job, right? But remember what the CBC expert says. These crazy conspiracy theorists think they're going to be put on some sort of government watch list for providing their names to GoFundMe or something. Wow, how quickly things escalate, so quickly that their own propaganda cannot keep up with it. And wait, it gets worse. Because, you know, the Emergencies Act that was invoked in order to bring about all of these changes in the financial processing and reporting laws so that FinTrack could, uh, for example, bring all of the funding sites under its purview and all banks will now be working actively collaborating with Canada's Financial Intelligence Unit and the government will be openly sharing information about citizens and directing the banks to cut certain people off of the financial system and how that caused... uh, at least, if not a bank run, at least some sort of weird multiple mal- malfunction amongst every major ATM uh, from every major bank in Canada f- in the, on the day that they announced that. I wonder what they were putting in behind the doors, uh, behind closed doors there. But although that, that might make you think, oh, well, that, that's just the emergency part of this Emergencies Act. It's just something that's they're just, it's only for this declared period of crisis. And now look, they're revoking the Emergencies Act. So it's all fine, all dandy, all go back to normal. This will never happen. Oh, wait, no, of course not. Exactly. As I said, when we covered it on New World next week, a couple of weeks ago, I said that the whole point of this emergency situation was to change the narrative to make this type of, this precedent for this type of intrusion on the financial lives of the citizen subjects of Queen Elizabeth Beast to make it part of the standard operating procedure. The emergency part was to create the sense of crisis and to ramrod through the changes, but those changes are staying. Don't take my word for it. Take World Economic Forum Board of Trustee member and Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, Christia Freeland's word for it. In terms of the financial instruments, which our government is using right now to act against these illegal blockades and illegal occupation. Uh, We reviewed very, very carefully the tools at the disposal of the federal government. Uh, And we used all the tools that we had prior to the invocation of the Emergencies Act, and we determined that we needed some additional tools. Now, some of those tools, uh, we will be putting forward uh, measures to put those tools permanently in place. Uh, The authorities of FinTrack, I believe, do need to be expanded to cover crowdsourcing platforms uh, and uh, payment platform and their payment providers. Uh, So that's that is something that we need to do and we will do and that needs to be in place permanently. Permanent. Permanent alterations to the banking and financial system on the back of this temporary national emergency. Funny how that works every single time and yet people still continue to fall for it. Don't worry. Income tax tax is just something where it's just a World War One emergency thing. Where don't worry, it's just for wartime. Passports, yeah, we only it's it's a World War One. It's just it's because of the emergency. Don't worry, guys. It'll only be here for the rest of your life and your children's life and your grandchildren's life because it is now permanent. Exactly 
as with this emergency, right? Unfortunately, I think we do know how that goes. And as I say, you know where this is going. You know what the long-term agenda that is being served here is and what it involves. The central bank digital currency that is coming, that I've been talking about for a couple of years now, and every single day, country after country, literally all over the world, is announcing, we're trialing the CBDCs too now. We're, we're going to look into CBDCs. We, we have a test pilot already, program already up and going. We're just starting to roll it out. It is coming in the next few years. And you better believe you ain't going to be funding any Freedom Convoy with central bank digital currency. You better believe that that will be literally impossible if and when they implement that system, at least through the CBDC. I mean, you'll, you'll probably still be allowed to have some vestigial remnants of cash floating around through the economy for a while until they disallow it because of the next emergency. So as I say, you know where this is going by now. If you are, I, I, I want to say if you're a follower of the corporate report, if you're anyone out there with two brain cells to rub together, you know what this means. You know where this is going. And thus, you know what we have to do. There is no alternative. We have to build up a parallel economy. We have to find survival currencies that we will be able to use when our accounts get frozen. Not if, when it happens. We, you, you better have a plan. You better have something. And I, if there is any bright spot in this, I don't know if that's the right word for it, but if there's anything that we can take out of this that is positive, it is at the very least the collective shoulder shrug and yawn and checking the watch that I received for episode 394 on solution survival currency, people are starting to understand why that might be an important topic to be thinking about these days. There's a lot more interest in it going around in the online space right now. And I can say that again from firsthand experience, hearing from people now who are saying, we have $100,000 in a bank account doing nothing. That's a retirement savings nest egg. What are we going to do with it? What should we do? We have investments in stocks. We have 401ks. How are we going to live? Yeah, good questions. And unfortunately, I don't have the, hey, here guys, just put all that, take all that money and put it in this bank account. I don't think there exists quite that level of one, two, three, easy peasy, no problem at this point. Uh, I've talked about this subject many, many times in the past. So I'm going to put in all of my links to previous work on monetary reform, the the move your money idea and things like that um, that I've talked about before, um, survival currencies, alternative currencies, complementary currencies. I've talked to people who have founded community currencies and how that worked for them or didn't work for them. Uh, I've done a lot of work on this subject over the years, um, and at least now people are starting to pay attention to it. Um, as Andrew Hoffman noted in my recent appearance on Revelations Radio News, even Gab, whatever you think about Gab and its politics and the people behind it, at any rate, they're talking about this as well. Investing in the Gab community from February 21st. Over the past five and a half years, Gab has been building the infrastructure to ensure that free speech is preserved online for all people at all costs. Gab is no longer simply the Twitter alternative. We are the complete solution to all of Silicon Valley. <laughs> well, okay. In the past 30 days alone, we've had over 90 million visits, da-da-da. In light of this rapid growth, our vision and mission has expanded. What we realized a year ago is that in order to defend free speech online for all people, we need to build our own parallel economy. We've been banned from app stores, hosting providers, email services, banks, and more. We had to build solutions to all of these problems, and we're the only technology company in the world to accomplish that daunting task. Yada yada. Okay, I'll throw in the link. Uh, if Gab is your thing, awesome. You can start looking into their parallel economy fund to invest capital resources and time into people who are building businesses and careers in the parallel economy on Gab. Great. Okay. Someone doing something. Great. It, look into it. If, if you, that's something you're motivated by and interested in, support it. Uh, if it isn't, then, then build your own. Whatever it is that you think you can do in order to not just Take that community, which you have formed over the past, certainly over the past couple of years, 
of all of this coming along. You've found your community of like-minded people in your area and you've started your Freedom Cell or whatever it is, your group of people that you now know and you trust and you've been talking to them for years and you're, you know what page they're on and who's good at what and now you're going to start building some sort of trading mechanism between you and starting to connect to some of the other Freedom Cells, right? That's 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 been the whole point for... At least the last couple of years, I think everyone's seen this coming. Well, here we are. Are are you ready? I don't think many people are. So we need to get ready. And there are many, 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 many things we need to do. So can you guess what's coming up on Sunday Flashback this week? (laughs) Yeah, if you visit CorbettReport.com on Sunday, you're going to see posted under the feature video, yeah, solutions, survival currency, because everything I said in that presentation is... As relevant as I said the day I said it, maybe more relevant. And I want to underline a point that I made in that presentation, which is when we get to the point where they're seizing bank accounts and they're literally freezing you out of the financial system, we can't afford to be dogmatists about what it is. Oh, yeah, well, okay, I, I'd rather starve to death on the street than use that form of money, which I don't agree with. <laughs> well, okay, it is certainly your choice to make. And, I, you know, good luck, good and fairly well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hope it works out for you. But I don't think dogmatism and getting stuck in singular ideas is the, is the way. I don't think jumping wholeheartedly and 100% into any one particular avenue is the way. I think we need to explore a bunch of different options for a bunch of different situations that we all find ourselves in every day, whether we're transacting with our close friend or or our personal relative or someone that we know on that level versus someone in our community who we we know and we've interacted with, but we're, you know, we're not that close versus somebody from a different community versus somebody that you're not in any sort of physical contact with. It's only online or something. All of these different trading situations will involve different forms of currency. Again, I laid that in out in the solution survival currency episode I will exhort you to go and re-watch that and re-familiarize yourself with these ideas and what has been done and what has worked and in what historical contexts and and what hasn't worked this is how we move forward by experimenting and no time like the present guys wakey wakey <laughs> this is the time so we better start uh, doing this exploring this building these not just communities but also ability to exchange with each other Um, That's going to involve all sorts of different ideas, and I will continue exploring them as we continue moving forward in this. On on that very note, I was interested to see that, of course, in the recent Greater Reset Activation Conference, uh, I was a speaker there, but also Catherine Austin Fitz was a speaker talking specifically about currencies and the, the, the type of solutions we're going to have to begin exploring moving forward. And it isn't necessarily the haunting, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. It can be the unlocking of the potential of free humanity that has always been there, but it has been completely contained within the banksters' controlled economy. We could unlock that box and unlock the f- the power of free humanity. Um, that th- There's an incredible, enormous wealth of abundant nature of the universe to be unlocked if we start taking this back into our own hands. And I think Catherine Austin Fitz, towards the end of her speech, helped to summarize that that idea. Anyway, what can you do? There's a lot you can do uh, in this vein, but one of them, we have something called Cash Friday, and we now have a lot of subscribers saying they're using cash every day. So the issue is not crypto versus traditional systems, it's all digital. We wanna make sure we don't have an all digital system. And that doesn't mean the ideal system will have some crypto uh, or some some digital and, and some not digital, but we need that balance to keep it from going to a total control grid. Couple of traditional risks that are unbelievably important when you grapple with currencies. And, and if a currency doesn't get them right, it's going to fail. One is debasement. If a currency allows itself to be debased, whether it um, it weakens the amount of the quality of the metal in a coin or a uh, fiat currency as the dollar is significantly debasing quickly as we speak, it's going to it's going to tank the value. Counterfeiting again, tank the value and and create a distrust in the currency. Another thing that is related um, but important 
the history of of central banking and the financial system is if usury is allowed, it's only a matter of time until that society fails. And if you look at the what has happened with usury in the last 30 years in the United States and many countries around the world, it was inevitable that ultimately many of the people, uh, the general population and the society would fail in a significant way because usury and financial fraud are major contributors to the extraordinary inequality that we're experiencing. Um, and a lot of it has been engineered with sabotage from the pro-centralization team. Um, a final thing I wanna bring up, the sabotage from the sort of the central bankers who own the monopoly is one of the hardest things to beat if you're trying to start, whether a cryptocurrency or a local currency. And so, you really, really want uh, on your team people who understand the sabotage games, of which there are many. It's kind of like a cookbook. Um, and, and that's very important to get your currency going. The final thing is, if you're going, particularly if you're going to do a local currency, you need for the real economy to be in balance. So you can have the greatest currency in the world, but if the basics of food, water, energy, shelter, um, and how we're going to get resiliency economically with real assets isn't there, your currency won't go. And if you look at what Derek always does with the Greater Reset, you can see he's, you know, he's got the conversation going in these multiple tracks, and that's important. So let's turn to local venture. I just want to say a few words about local venture. The delicious secret in all of this is that the tyranny that we're all observing or dealing is exceptionally expensive as a financial and economic matter. I've often liked it to a tapeworm that, you know, a, a parasite that grows that's killing its host. Our opportunity includes removing the tapeworm and stopping the parasitic drain. And the great part of the opportunity is um, if we remove that parasite, we start to build a lot of living and financial equity, you know, sort of decentralized bottom up. One of the greatest opportunities and um, from a financial standpoint is if we can institute a financial system where you have a win-win relationship with the environment. So the more people gather and heal the environment, the more money they make. So Right now, there is a win-lose relationship between the financial system and, and the environment and all living things. Think of this as really living capital and financial capital. It is possible to build a financial system where you can, um, you can make financial, fantastic amounts of financial wealth by reducing the pressure on the environment, healing the environment, making communities wonderful, making education wonderful, we can do that. And um, it's sort of very hard when you're in the middle of what we're in the middle of to understand that the wealth potential is extraordinary. And that's why when you grapple with local currencies and building a local community, also grapple with how you can encourage and invest in local enterprise and make that investment in local enterprise a win-win affair for all the enterprises in that place and the relationship between the consumers and enterprises in that place, it can be done. So my only point here is that venture and currency can go hand in hand and, um, and it can make it a complicated task to think about, but I assure you it can be done. Catherine Austin Fitz of Solari.com speaking at the Greater Reset Activation. Uh, I will, of course, put the link into that full presentation so you can watch it in its entirety, in its context, along with everything else that I've mentioned today and all the resources I've talked about, the many times I've covered this topic in the past at the Corbett Report. There's a lot to dig into if you are just getting into it. And if you are just getting into it, welcome to reality. I'm afraid it's not going to look very pretty at first. But as I say, I think that the unlocking of the potential of free humanity is something that we can build towards in a positive sense. But we better get working on it, roll up our sleeves and start doing it. So on that note, obviously I am going to be exploring this topic, which could be the most pressing topic we're facing. There are so many <laughs> things that could be, as I am recording this, <laughs> World War III could be breaking out. Who knows what's happening in Eastern Europe as, as I am recording these words. But at any rate, 
cyber attacks and all of this, there's a lot of things that we should be concerned about. But clearly, the ability to turn off your ability to buy and sell and interact with the economy should probably be one of those things that ranks pretty high on our priority list, don't you think? So I will be exploring this in more detail. Not just the problem, but also the solutions in the Solutions Watch series. And on that note, of course, I will be very interested to speak to people who are forming the alternative currencies that we will need, not just one, not this is the one solution, but people who have their ideas for this thing in this local community or this idea that could be brought out to your community. I'm very interested to hear from the people who are doing that, but mo underline doing, underline, triple underline the word doing. Uh, great, wonderful. You've created the wonderful, perfect theoretical system that could work if everybody came together and did it all at the same time and held hands and sang kumbaya. But as I stressed in the Solution Survival Currency podcast, this you're putting the cart before the horse. You need to have the community in place so that then, and people on board, so that you can implement a system. And that is easier said than done. Um, there's all sorts of great, wonderful ideas. I'm sure any one of them would be better than the system, the monetary system we're living under right now. But uh, until you actually make that happen in reality, it's all just paper promises. So I want to see people who have done, created a functioning alternative local currency, whatever it is that is actually working in the real world and can literally demonstrate it to people, that would be worth talking about. So uh, if people have information on that regard, please send it through the contact form on corporatereport.com. Uh, having said that, as I say, I will continue exploring this subject and looking at the things that we need to do as we plunge further and further in off the cliff into total tyranny, which is what this is and what this amounts to. Now, having said that, this is to some extent a war of attrition because you better believe that th they are counting on human nature in a lot of this. The idea that the more they demonize these people, the more people will at the very least start to internalize, well, maybe they did do something wrong. Maybe they, you know, some of them were maybe a bit violent. Maybe they deserved this. Well, they didn't come after me and my bank account, so they must have been wrong, and I'm okay, and as long as I play by the rules. And next time the protest movement arises, well, I'm not going to support that. I don't... I'm definitely not going to put my face there, and I can't give anything to a website because it could get hacked. So I'll just sit back. I'll just see how it goes. I'll just wait. It's They're trying to wear you down and to make you start to realize the panopticon system is in place. They can see everything you're doing at every time. So if you would do, if you have a wrong think, we're coming after you. All 38 million people in Canada, the few thousand enforcers are going to be able to do that, right? If everybody resisted. No, of course not. But but I'm not going to be the one that's going to stick up. So they're counting on that. And they're counting on the idea that they will be able to deplatform people as they have. For example, the Corbett Report, of course, suspended off of Patreon, which is their way of completely canceling your account. But they don't cancel it. They don't, they don't scrub you off their platform. They say it's suspended. We've suspended your account until such time as you delete anything that you said with regards to COVID-19. <laughs> and we won't tell you what that is, but you've got to delete it all and then admit you were wrong and then we'll let you back on <laughs> Patreon. Bye-bye, <laughs> Patreon. It was nice not knowing you. Um, but of course, every other pay payment system gateway, at least the one that functions with the main banking oligarchy is going to be the same. PayPal, of course, is doing that right now, has done it to Ryan Christian, a last American vagabond. I'm still on PayPal for the moment, but you better believe the suspension will come sooner or later, but it will come. And what will happen when that happens? Most of the people who are subscribed to the Corporate Report are subscribed via PayPal. But will they resubscribe? If if suddenly, overnight, okay, your PayPal is gone. Oh, now I have to sign up again through some other thing? I Trust me, I have backups and backups of backups of payment processors, and I'm not going to put them all out on the table at once so they can all be deplatformed, but it will be a game of hopscotch for the time being until we get working valid alternative currencies in place with communities to support them. We're going to have to find ways on the edges of these systems, aren't we? So at any rate, if you go to the Corporate Report membership page right now, corporatereport.com members, you will see that I do have, there is the PayPal link so that you can do the tried and true PayPal method, 
But there's also a way of doing it through credit card that isn't PayPal related. And there's also the P.O. Box with James M. Pilato there in the U.S. And there's also a bank, a, a U, virtual U.S.-based bank account that you can transfer funds to. Uh, there's also, of course, cryptocurrency. And you can contact me and let me know what crypto you're interested in and I can send you an address. This, there are many different ways to support, but will you do it? And if you keep having to change... I know there's a lot of people, there was a lot of people who did sign up after I got scrubbed from Patreon. They did sign up again, but uh, there was a lot of people who didn't. And then there's some people who to this day still do not know that I was taken off of Patreon. And no, I you haven't been paying for the last year plus. And I'm still to this day getting emails from people <laughs> about their Patreon account. I'm like, I'm sorry, that that was last year. I sent emails about it. I talked about it. You're not You're not subscribed anymore. So... This is the way it works, and they're counting on people to just sort of yeah, go along, and eventually they just change enough of the infrastructure along until we're in a new system, and who knew it? This is how it works, and this is the meaning of give, send, gone. I hope people out there understand the gravity of this moment, this historical moment. This, this is it. It's happening. Game on. So we all better be prepared for it. Having said that, I am here to document it and to look for the ways forward and the solutions that will come. And I hope you'll be here to join me for that. Please see the voluminous and detailed show notes at corporatereport.com slash givesendgone. And with that said, I am James Corbett of corporatereport.com looking forward to talking to you again in the near future.